the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good afternoon, good evening, Everybody, Ron Geyer back with End Time Insights. We love doing this. I say it every week. Thank you for listening. We pray about it. We study to show ourselves approved unto God, a worker that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Today, we're continuing in our message on sin, uh, what the Bible has to say about sin. And we're using the word of God. We're going to study the word of God. We're going to dig into the word of God. This one has more of a bent on it regarding sin and the church's position on sin. It's very interesting. Uh, You know, in the Bible, I may have told you this last week, 500 times in the Bible, the word love is used. Well, 1,000 times in the Bible, God talks about sin, two to one. And it's important that you understand the principle there that we need to know about sin. And, uh, I'm going to make some points about what's going on in sin, the way our society is looking at sin, the way our church is dealing or not dealing with sin. And, you know, with sin being mentioned in the Bible 1,000 times, I want to say, what are our preachers scared of? What are we hiding from? Uh, You know, we cannot continue to operate thinking that we know how to better preach the gospel than the way it was written. I think I gave you this scripture last week, Matthew 121, our foundation scripture. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Know this, the purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to save us from our sin, to save the people of the world from our sin. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to save. Hallelujah. And so John declares in uh, 129, Behold, uh, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And here's John's declaration. The greatest event in human history is about to take place, right? It should be the whole reason for the Jesus loves you movement. Why does Jesus love you? How does he prove it? Well, he's about to take away the sin of the entire world. I don't know how preachers fail to connect our sin need with his appearing. That needs to be spoken about all the time. Preachers fail to tell people. They choose to skip over the reason why Jesus came because they don't want to offend anybody, right? So basically have the spiritual history of the world right there in a couple of verses, right? He shall bring forth a son who shall save the people from their sins, the Lamb of God. You add to that Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So we see that there is a sin problem in the world and the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus dealing with the sin problem. It's so important. It's why he came. It's the reason he came, and he did it. 
Let me look at my notes. There was something I wanted to tell you that I remember to put it in here. Hmm. Okay, I'll get there. Hallelujah. We taught on this this weekend in our Bible study, and there was just some really good scriptures. I wanted to make sure I included them here in my lesson, and I think I did. Hallelujah. So man brought sin into the world, and what happened? It killed everybody. Everybody. Wherefore, Romans 5, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. We've got to understand that. Sin not only came into the world, but sin killed everybody. So important. That's why Jesus came to save us from our sins. If he didn't, we'd all be dead. We'd be wiped out. Just like what happened in the flood, right? Only eight remained. Jesus had to pronounce judgment on sin because man did not look to him. Man did not have an understanding between the difference between right and wrong. You know, astrologers back in the day before they had astronomers now, right? The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. They could have found out about God by doing a spiritual study on the skies, but their study of the skies wasn't spiritual. It was scientific, and they missed out the message from the Messiah. The heavens declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. Man brought sin into the world. Everyone was killed by it, all have sinned. But if the reason that Jesus came into the world was to save people from their sin, well, then we got to know people have been saved from their sin. He succeeded. If Jesus came into the earth to save people from their sin, do you think he accomplished what he tried to do or did he waste his time? Was his death meaningless? No, it wasn't. It accomplished the purpose. Jesus came into the world to save people from their sin and he did just that. Before he left, he did what the Father gave him to do. Actually, that's why he was sent from God. He just didn't decide this on his own. God told him to come. Remember? John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. The job was done. What job? The job of saving mankind from their sin. It's a finished work, he says. And so the work the Father gave Jesus to do, Jesus did what God sent him to do. He accomplished saving people from their sins. That is done. We're not waiting for him to do anything. That is a finished fact. You already have been saved from your Sin, it's a fate accompli, as they say, a finished work. Jesus announced it. And that, my friend, is the good news of the gospel. It's not that Jesus loves you. That is not the good news of the gospel or that God so loved the whole world. That is not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is Jesus has already saved God's people from their sin. All that other stuff is great, and that's the motivation for God sending Jesus to the earth because he loved us. But the good news is really that you have been saved from your sin. Can you understand that? Hallelujah. I love it. So I don't have to get drunk. I don't have to do drugs anymore. I'm free from pornography, sexual impurity. I will not spend eternity apart from God and the family of God because Jesus has already saved me from my sin. Now, don't you think that's worth sharing? Don't you? Why would we not want to preach that? Preachers come out there boldly, and they announce from their pulpit, famous preachers, world-famous preachers, they, millions follow them, and they refuse to talk about sin, and they say, no, we're not going to talk about sin. Well, why wouldn't you talk about sin? Well, you know, the world beats up people enough, and I don't want to beat them up. Okay, wait a second. You don't want to beat people up because the world and the sin of the world beats them up. I'll give you that part. The sin of the world does beat them up, actually destroys them, and actually kills them. But by you not telling them that Jesus came to save them from their sin already, 
You're not helping them. You're implying that you don't know the gospel, that you don't know what you're talking about, that you don't know why Jesus came. Jesus came to save the people from their sin. And you won't talk about that? Get out of the pulpit. Let some grandma that's been praying for 50 years get up there and talk. This is ridiculous. The gospel, it's not Jesus loves you. It's Jesus has saved you from your sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made Jesus, God hath made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, Jesus, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. That's the crux of the gospel message. It's why God places preachers in the pulpit. But preachers in the pulpit refuse to preach about man's sinful condition. They're no use. Most church folk don't try the spirits of the preachers that they're following. They love the man rather than testing the spirit. So they sacrifice truth to remain comfortable. That's not a word that should be associated with Christianity. Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable. He came to give us life, to make us holy so that we could spend eternity with him in his presence and the other saints. Jesus became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He died when we should have died. Why did he die? He died for what? Our sin. These folks that won't talk about sin from God's pulpit, they are counterfeit. They don't belong in the pulpit. They have no idea what the gospel is. They definitely do not hear from God concerning what they preach. And check this out. By not talking about our sin, they leave you in your sin. Hello? The purpose Jesus came was to save us from our sin. Preachers say we're not going to talk about sin, and then they leave us in our sin. Well, then what else are you going to talk about? I don't care about your new plane. I don't care about your Aunt Molly's parrot talking scripture. You need to hear the gospel. You need to hear up front, first and foremost, that God has sent Jesus and Jesus has saved you from your sin. And check this out. By not talking about your sin, they leave you in your sin and there is no repentance from sin. Then there's no new birth. And at the end of the day, these false preachers, they are leading millions to hell. It's, it's demonic. Let's just call it what it is. It's why we talk about the stuff on my show, in our Bible studies, on Facebook, that they don't talk about. Somebody's got to talk about it because we truly love God. And because we truly love God, we truly love you. Jesus went to hell because you sinned. There. I said it. He went to hell because I sinned. He went to hell because my wife sinned, because my angelic mother sinned. He went to hell because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I didn't come up with that. It's been written, and what's been written needs to be spoken. 1 John 3, 8. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Look at what refusing to talk about sin does to someone. It leaves him in the hands of the devil. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. He that is committed to sin is of the devil. You don't think people need to hear that? Once more, we see it. Jesus came to destroy Satan's grip on your life through the sin that you're committing. But that sin has already been defeated. It's why he came. Look, we care for you. I know what preachers talk about sin, and I know what preachers don't talk about sin. If your preacher won't talk about sin, then he is allowing Satan to continue to rule over you when you and your preacher should know Jesus has destroyed Satan's ability to hold you captive. That's what the gospel is all about. If you're still held by the cords of your sin, you need to meet Jesus Christ. 
But if somebody is refusing to tell you that that's already been dealt with and that's what's holding you back for success in life, you're not going to go anywhere. It's time for some real Christianity, folks, real Christian talk. Christians shouldn't coddle you or pet you or try to make you feel good and get you to the next blessing from God. Look at this next verse. Perhaps maybe a light will even go on. We have been taught so many erroneous doctrines the past couple of years in America that I believe most old-time preachers would fail to recognize the Christianity that we live in and the gospel that we preach today. John 10, 17 and 18. For this, this is awesome. There's a great lesson in here. For this reason, the Father loves me. This is Jesus talking to the crowd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Okay, Jesus is about to tell us why the Father loves him. That's, you know, anytime you get a scripture that says why or because or for this reason, you know, the Bible's full of verses that tell you who or what or why or uh, no, who, what, when, how, right? This is a why scripture. This is a special scripture. When you get a why scripture, your antenna needs to go up. It needs to have your full attention. God is about to tell you his motivation for doing something. I love that. You're about to see the heart of God revealed in writing. This is great. For this reason, the Father loves me. This is why God loves Jesus. Because I laid down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me, but I laid down my own. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I received from my father. So God commanded Jesus to sacrifice his life and pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus said, okay, it is the reason God loves him because Jesus lived a life of obedience. Here's Jesus telling the disciples what he did and why he did it in response to mankind's sin problem. The great lesson here, check this out. The reason why my father loves me is that I lay down my life that I may take it again. This is truly an amazing statement by the Lord Jesus. And it's no accident. It's written like this. The reason the father loved the son was because the son did what the father told him to do. You must catch that. Not just that he took his life, laid it down because he knew he'd get it back. Not just that because he was going to die for mankind. The principle was he was going to obey the Father. God loves Jesus because Jesus obeys him. The reason the Father loved the Son was because he did what the Father told him to do to the point of absolute obedience, even in the face of death. Uh, Commentator Barclay writes that Jesus saw his whole life as an act of obedience to God. Obedience, we're going to have to cover that one day soon, but yeah, we do have that. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. But look, Jesus did not use his sonship. This is so important. Jesus did not use his sonship with God to do as Jesus pleased, as he liked. That's rich. He used his sonship with the Father to get what God wanted. He relied on his relationship to do the will of the Father. We have been taught to rely upon our relationship as children of God to get what we want, have we not? Between the way that we confess for our needs, the way that we use the gospel to acquire certain things, and they could be good things. But even like in our fasting, Isaiah 58 says, this is the fast that I've chosen. Hallelujah. It's not to do this. It's not 
to acquire things, but it's a gospel. It's a gospel that helps others to lay down your lives for the brethren. It's a gospel to feed the poor, to clothe the naked, to provide shelter to the poor that's been passed out, to be ministers to your family. It's a gospel that helps others. That's what it's all about. And here we see that Jesus, the Father loved Jesus because Jesus obeyed him when he was trying to help others get back in their relationship with him, but not us. We use our relationship to acquire things, and that's just not right. Jesus turns that upside down, and he uses his relationship with the fathers to do what the father wants. Think about that. Try doing that. It puts Christianity in its proper light. Pride keeps us from service. Sin keeps us from serving God as we should. I believe it's this self-serving attitude, and we've been taught this. We've been taught this from the pulpit. It's this self-serving attitude that's at the core of our sin problem in the church. Paul wrote that uh, last day's marking of the people in the church is that we would be lovers of ourselves. We would be lovers of pleasure more than we would be lovers of God. We would be turned towards idol worship and our attraction towards things, things that would satisfy our carnal cravings. This too, this got to be preached in our churches also. It's just, it's skimmed over. We're not confronting the errors of the church. They don't go away by themselves. Sin, it needs to be purged. It's a scourging, a cleansing. I believe it's the self-serving attitude that is leading us to destruction. It's marking the apostasy within the church. You know, I feel like I want to say, just forget everything you've been learned and let's start over. Now, I know that's not right. I know that's not going to happen, but we must quit falling for the gospel of self, the so-called law of attraction, the false promise of carnal prosperity, the idol worship of man, and the reinvention of Jesus in the image of man, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. How many? All. Everybody. Everybody that's ever been born except Jesus Christ. That's what made him so special. Satan had a right to kill everybody that sinned, but Jesus didn't sin. Therefore, Satan had no right to kill him. That's what Jesus said. Nobody took my life. I laid it down. Hallelujah. It was a trap. If Satan had never crucified the king of glory, right, remember? If Satan had known what was going to happen, he never would have crucified the king of glory. But Jesus sacrificed his life because when Adam sinned, Adam broke covenant with God, right? The terms of the covenant with God are you're going to live forever. You don't sin. Hallelujah. I'll get you everything you need. I'll take care of you. I'll supply your every need, your every whim, your every desire. Just don't sin. Well, when Adam sinned, he broke covenant with God. Not only did he break covenant with God, but he entered into a new covenant with a new Lord, and his new Lord became Satan, the Lord of sin. Ouch! And the terms of that covenant were death. That's why all have sinned. So those of us that were born under Adam, from Adam to Christ, were all born as sinners, and were all born in sin. But that changed when the new birth came, and now those of us that are born in Christ, I don't believe we're born with original sin. I think Christ... It took that problem, I think. Christ dealt with that. You've got to understand true grace and what it means. It doesn't mean you just don't get held accountable for your sins today and you have access with the Father because of Jesus to get them cleansed. But it also means instead of being born dead in Adam, you have been born alive in Christ. The age of accountability, it's not when we suddenly realize and we accept Christ and we get saved. The age of accountability is when we die. It's when we realize, whoa, we did sin. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Hallelujah. So Romans 3.10, as it is written, 
There is none righteous, no, not one, because all have sinned. Look at this. When God destroyed the earth with the flood, there were literally only eight righteous people left. When Paul quoted from Isaiah in Romans, he was quite serious. There wasn't anybody left. All have sinned. Romans 3.10, again, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if sin is so prevalent, if it has become the defining common characteristic of God's creation, mankind, why do church preachers refuse to talk about it? I mean, it is the elephant in every room. It is the elephant in every Sunday sermon. Tell the people they're sinners. They need to hear that. There's no urgency today in the church for the gospel. There's no chance of revival. Revival is the turning away from sin. But if we keep removing the sin from the gospel, then we don't need Jesus. Jesus is irrelevant. Why do we need Jesus if we're not going to talk about sin? Jesus came to the earth, why? (laughs) To set man free from their sin. But if we're not going to acknowledge that man is a sinner, then we don't need to tell them about Jesus. They don't think that Jesus did anything. They don't know that he did anything. What did he come for? Because he loves you. That is not the gospel. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and they have it more abundantly. It's interesting. Both Jesus and Satan, they're after the same thing, your soul. But note the paradox in their attempts to win it. Satan will kill you to get it. He'll steal it if you let him, and he will destroy you any way he can. Jesus chooses to win you with a promise of life, eternal life. His goodness abounds towards you. Why? The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He's going back to the sin issue. We're going to deal with this sin issue. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. I've already done the work. Somebody has to tell you about it, though. His goodness abounds to you. He wishes for you a life of peace and joy and hope. He destroyed the efforts of Satan. He died to free you from sin, and he is still working on your half behalf today, ever living to make intercession for you. On the other hand, this is so interesting, Satan has failed in his attempt to stop the Savior. He has failed in his attempt to hide the Savior. So his latest, greatest Newest tactic is to convince mankind that he doesn't need a savior. Do you see where this is going? And the church has become his willing partner. In these last days, he is pulling out all the stops in his last final push to get your soul. And you've got to understand, when we tell you or we fail to tell you that you're a sinner, we are partnering with Satan. Satan is trying to get you to understand you're not a sinner. He's trying to get you to understand you don't need a savior. It's values, clarifications, all things are allowed. It's all about feelings. Even the, what was that Bible? The Passion Translation was written to get you to have an emotional connection with God rather than a spiritual connection with God where you can live life based on how you feel and justify what you do by how you feel. And that's where we are. Hollywood, anything that you feel like doing, fine, do it. And that's where the church is heading with these woke pastors, with these woke Ministers, two great last-day events are about to happen. First, the return of the Lord King Jesus. Hallelujah for his church. He won't come to earth for this at this time. He just causes holy people to come home to heaven from the sky. Hallelujah. And he meets us up in the air to take us home. The people of God are preparing themselves in true holiness for this event. 
The other great last day event that's going to happen very shortly is, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, we have Satan. We have Satan and his children, and they are preparing the earth to receive their king. The counterfeit Lord Satan, by the way. Sin is the earmark of these folks. And the earth is going to be ravaged by wars and famine and lawlessness as the spirit of Antichrist prepares to assume authority. We can't defeat sin on a global scale. Jesus did that. All we have to do is announce it. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The rapture, the great day of the church, the great terrible day of the Lord, those days, they will not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. As I was writing this, I wept, and it was very moving to me. The seriousness of what is about to happen hit home. The title for the anti-God spirit here in Thessalonians is, he's called the man of sin. There is no need for him to come and be here. Jesus has already saved people from their sin, remember? Read it again. Matthew 121, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he has saved his people from their sins. I am going to drive that home. I'm out of time now, and I'm going to pick up on this next week, though. But you have got to understand, it's got to become real to you, the sin that is holding you back, the sin that is defeating you, the sin that has you in addictive behavior has already been defeated. I'm one guy. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.